Well, welcome Pathway Church at all of our locations. Those of you who are watching online to this fourth weekend of our series, Plot Twist, where we've been looking at some of the most famous plot-twisting stories that Jesus ever told, and they're his parables. Now, last week, Pastor Elliot looked at the parable of the rich fool, and we found out that greed is a lot easier to see in other people and very hard to see in ourselves, and uh, really how the scripture urges us on toward to be rich toward God, to be rich toward the things of his kingdom, and when we do that, we experience uh, the life that is truly life. Now this week we're going to be looking really at one of the mis- most misunderstood parables that Jesus ever taught, and it's on prayer. Now every week here at Pathway Church, we receive over a hundred prayer requests. And we pray over these as a staff. We have prayer teams that pray over these uh, requests, and it's just a huge deal. And I wanted you to listen. Uh, to look at, to hear uh, some of the prayer requests that we've been praying for uh, even here recently. Take a look at some of these. Uh, Please pray for a friend whose husband just died and her kids are struggling. Please pray for my son who's falling away from Christ. Please pray my friend is struggling with the second round of withdrawals. He struggled to stay clean. Please, Please pray that he'll fight through it. Please pray my marriage is falling apart and my children are really struggling with their father being gone. Now the reality is, you and I know it, there is so much hardship that we all go through in life, so much struggle so many times. And to me these prayer requests, they really show that we're all looking, aren't we? We're all looking for help. We're looking for hope. And so the question is, how do we find help and how do we find hope in the middle of these difficulties that we're all running to in life? Well, the truth is, Jesus has a plan. And his plan is to bring heaven to earth. You might even remember what Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, Jesus wants to bring heaven to earth right in the middle of the difficulty, right in the middle of the hardship that we are struggling with, right in the middle of the despair that that we feel. And the way that he does that, he does it through prayer. Now, the disciples saw this correlation between Jesus' prayers and his miraculous power, his ability to bring heaven to earth, and one of the key parables that Jesus tells his disciples about prayer and about bringing heaven to earth in the middle of hardship, in the middle of difficulty, is the parable of the persistent widow. And that's the parable that I want to focus on today. And it's found in Luke chapter 18, beginning with verse 2. And it says there, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. 
So the first major character that we see in the story is a widow. Now, a lot of times in our kind of uh, modern-day culture, we see widows as many times well-educated, uh, a wealthy kind of people. But back in the first century, more often than not, that was not the case. Most of the time, widows in, in the first century were uneducated, poor, and devoid of any kind of uh, power or social status. And so Luke begins his story with this announcement this, this, that this certain widow is being harassed by a local thug. She is being harassed by a local thug. She has nowhere to turn for help. She's in a bad situation. And she finally realized the only hope that she has is to be able to go to the local judge and, and make a plea for mercy in his court. And so that's what she decides to do. So our second character in the story, this local judge, emerges on the scene. He's described in a couple of statements. First, that the judge has absolutely no fear of God. And the second is he has no respect for human beings. He just sees people that come to his court every day as an interruption. It's kind of a headache, a hassle, people that are bothering him. So the situation doesn't look very good for this widow. But this widow goes to the judge pleads her case, throws herself at the mercy of the court. She says, I have nowhere else to turn. Judge, please show me mercy against my adversary. And as you might have guessed, this crooked judge looks at this poor widow, tells her to get out of his courtroom, and kicks her out onto the streets. Now this widow, she's hurt. I think she's a little shocked by the reaction uh, of this judge. But she gathers herself and she says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and bother this judge until he gives me the protection that I deserve. And so this poor widow, day in and day out, what she begins to do is she begins to go and pester this judge. I mean, she follows that judge every day out of his courtroom, uh, out to his camel. And she bothers him. Then she follows him home. And then if it was modern day, he would be she would be posting things on his Facebook page, doing whatever that she could to be able to get his attention so that he would ultimately relent and give her the justice that she deserves. Well, you know what happens? What she does works. It works. And, and the judge says, I can't take it anymore. I can't, I can't handle this woman bothering me day in and day out. Somebody's got to give this woman justice, and that's what happens. And so the happy ending of the story is that the uh, judge gives the protection to this poor widow that she deserves against the adversary that is uh, victimizing her. Now, a lot of times when we hear this story, we get to this part of the story and we go, oh, I get it. I get what Jesus is trying to teach us in this story. I, I mean, he, we're, he's saying, you know, we're kind of like the widow. We're poor. We're penniless. We've got all kinds of hardships. We've got all kinds of struggles that are going on in our life. We're like uh, the, the widow. And, and God is like the judge. I mean, God is busy. I mean, he's running the universe. He's keeping angels in harmony. He's tuning harps all the time. And the only way that we can get God to act is that we bang on the doors of heaven. We bang on the doors of heaven over and over again. We pray over and over again. And we pray and we pray and we pray. 
And we pray and we pray and we pray, and when we pray long enough, and God, he can tell we, I guess we really mean it, and he can't take us praying and talking to him anymore, and so he finally, he finally relents and he gives us what we want. Isn't that right? Isn't that kind of at least how we generally see it? We're the widow, God is the judge, and if we persist in our prayer and we pray and pray and pray, God will give us what we want. Isn't that how we read it? Well, the truth is, that's not what the intention of the parable is at all. That's not how that it's intended to be told. The story is not about wearing God down so that he answers our prayer or about figuring out how that we can rub the magic genie bottle of God just right. And if we say our prayers just right, ultimately, he will have to do what we ask him to do because we rub the genie bottle in just the right way. So God will give us what we want. Look what verses 6 through 8 say. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. See, the key character of the story is God, ultimately. He's the key character of the story. And so it's very important to understand that the point of this parable is not to compare God to the unjust judge. The key of the parable is that this is not a comparable, a parable of comparison. God is like this, and we're like this. The point of the parable is a parable of contrast, that God is not like the unjust judge. Jesus is saying here, if a heartless judge will eventually relent and do the right thing, how much more? How much more can we depend on our almighty, our loving God, to be able to do the right thing, to be able to give us good things? God is so good. He's so awesome. We can run to him in incredible anticipation of how that he might be able to answer our prayer. And the other thing he's trying to say through this parable is, You're totally unlike the widow. You're not powerless. You're not abandoned. You're adopted. You're a part of God's family. Jesus is trying to tell us here, don't ever decide not to pray because you think you are like a widow. Don't ever think that you're you're powerless and penniless. No, you're a son. You're a daughter. You've been adopted into God's family. You have all the rights all the inheritance for God to be able to shower down on you an incredible thing, good things. You see, Jesus is trying to give us a picture here of God, this glorious picture of God that draws our hearts to him, that, that pulls us toward him so that we will be able, in the middle of our difficulty, in the middle of our hardship, we will run to him because we know that he is so good. We'll be able to experience light We'll be able to experience hope in the middle of this world. In this world, we will have many troubles. But take heart, he's overcome the world. And we run to our Heavenly Father in prayer because we know that he gives us great things. That he's good, that he wants to be able to help us. He is going to intervene and help us. And the other incredible thing here in our story is if we look just a little bit deeper, he gives us some very specific ways by which we can approach God in prayer. And the first one that he gives us is to pray boldly. In the end, the widow boldly went to the judge, even though he was unjust. And how much more, then, should we go to our Heavenly Father in prayer? 
If this old widow lady goes boldly before the judge, who is evil, how much more then should we run to our Heavenly Father boldly in prayer? That's why it says in Hebrews chapter 4, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, God wants us to boldly come in. But so many times there's these barriers in front of us to be able to go boldly to God. I think we deal with a lot of times guilt from our sin. And we're a little bit afraid to go to God because we know we've said things, we know we've done things that maybe we're not quite in right relationship with God. But I say to you today, confess those things that you think are in the way legitimately maybe between you and your relationship with God, but then know the character of your loving Heavenly Father. Confess your sins, go to Him, and boldly come to Him with confidence because of what Jesus done on the cross. We can boldly enter into His throne of grace and ask Him for what we need. That's what bold means. The other thing I think bold means, it's praying to God and asking for Him for, him for something that's way beyond our ability. I know that there's things going on in your life right now. Maybe things with your health. Maybe things in a relationship that looks like there's, there's no way this can be healed. There's no hope for this situation. And what bold praying means, bold praying means praying for something that we know is way beyond our ability, that only God can do. You know, it reminds me of a couple of months ago. We were in a leadership uh, team meeting here at the church. Uh, we were looking at our budget. We were looking at our income. We were looking at our sp- expenses. And as we were looking at those things, everything was very solid. But there were three ministry projects that we wanted to be able to do. But as we looked at all those projections and everything else, we weren't going to be able to do them at the level we really felt like God was calling us to do them at. We sensed God wanted us to be bigger and bolder on these projects, but it didn't appear really from where the the trend line of kind of our projection of income and expenses was really going to allow for that. So I I think as we sat in that meeting, there there was just a, a heaviness all of a sudden. Because we knew God wanted us to go big on this, but when we looked at everything that, in terms of where everything was at, we weren't really going to be able to go where we felt like God was calling us to go. So in that middle of that meeting, we said, we've got to pray. We've got to pray that God would do something so that one way or the other, that we'll be able to do these projects in the way that we feel like God's calling us to do. So we, we began to pray in our leadership team meeting. We committed ourselves uh, to praying for these things boldly and you know what happened it's about a week ago i just finished up a lunch appointment um and i came out of that lunch appointment all of a sudden i got a text message from becky freshar our operations director she said you wouldn't believe this but someone in the church gave a hundred thousand dollar gift isn't that amazing give god a hand for that it's crazy crazy Man, right there in my car, I said, God, God, I know that's you. Lord, that was nothing that we could do. There's no way we could orchestrate that. There's no way we knew that that was going to happen. Lord, that's you. You're at work. And man, when we boldly pray, when we ask God, he does immeasurably more than what we could ever ask or imagine. As we seek it, that's the kind of God we serve. That's the character of the God we serve when we ask for him for things in prayer. Now, please understand, 
You know, we don't have this all of a sudden, we have this, this automatic thing. Sometimes I think part of our problem in prayer, sometimes we think, okay, if I prayed it, then God has to do it because I boldly went and asked him. Well, remember, God is the perfect father. He knows sometimes that the answer is yes. Sometimes he knows the answer is no. He's the perfect father. He knows exactly when to answer that prayer for the best for us and for the best of everybody else in this world. And he knows how to answer that prayer because sometimes in our head we think we know what's best and how to answer a certain prayer. God knows best. So we always have to have that as a framework if the character of our God is perfectly good and he is always right, we have to trust how that he is going to answer that prayer or that maybe the answer to our prayer is no, that we trust him that he's working out his perfect plan in our life. But we remember that God is good. And so the question is then, what are you boldly praying for? As you look at all the things that are going on in your life, the life of your family, maybe at work, wherever, what are you boldly praying for? What person are you praying for? Something that's beyond your ability. You, you know, like I said, there's no way there's somebody's going to come to know Christ or something that's going to be changed in their life. It's way beyond your ability. What provision are you praying for that God might be able to, to meet in, in, in your life? What situation is it that, he, that, that you want to lay before your Heavenly Father that he might orchestrate in some way some goodness out of maybe even a difficulty that's going on? But the key is to pray boldly because God wants to bring heaven to earth and the way that he does that is the vehicle of his prayers we seek him and we ask him he brings heaven to earth just like jesus did but the key here is pray boldly now the next practical lesson that jesus teaches us here about approaching god is pray persistently you see we serve a loving god who is much more loving and much more just than the unjust judge in the parable so we're to persist like the widow, not to wear our heavenly father out, but rather because we know that he's good. We keep asking him because we know that he's going to be able to give us something incredible, something way beyond what we think could even be good in this situation because that's the character and the nature of their God. And that pulls us to be able to pray more persistently, to ask more earnestly. So we keep on praying. We keep on asking. We keep on knocking because we know that God is good. Or maybe another way to be able to, to, to talk about this is that we're to push. We're to pray persistently. We're to push. We're to pray until something happens. And we do that because of the good nature of our God. You know, there's a, a famous frontiersman that was once asked, have you ever gotten lost in the wilderness? He said, no, I've never been lost, but I've been bewildered. Months at a time. <laughs> and I know there's some of you here today. You're here in church, lots of things going on in your life, but there's some bewilderment. There's some bewilderment in your health situation. Doesn't seem like it's getting any better. You're saying, why? Doesn't seem like God's answering your prayer. Others of you, you're, you're bewildered in a financial situation where you're trying but it doesn't seem like God's moving or providing the way that you think he should or there's others of you you're bewildered in more of a relationship situation where man you keep trying in this relationship 
but it doesn't seem like anything is working. And Jesus is saying here through this parable, keep pushing, keep praying, pray until something happens because you have a good, good father who is always at work. Know that when you're praying, God, God isn't up in heaven sitting around. The scripture says God is always at work. So you got to know while you're sitting around, God's at work. And when you're praying, he's not waiting, he's working. So know that it ain't nothing that's happening, something's happening. And he is doing incredible work. It's just work that you can't see all the time, that he's orchestrating behind the scenes. It's interesting, even in the very first verse of this chapter, right before the parable starts, Luke says this, Jesus told the disciples a parable to show them they should always pray and not give up. He doesn't want us to give up. He doesn't want us, he wants us to keep persisting, keep trusting, because he's doing it. He is working, he's doing it. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing what is good for in the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. If we don't give up, if we keep praying, we keep asking. We know all the time God's working, doing stuff, He's going to do incredible things. You know, it's interesting, as I thought about persisting in prayer this last week, I thought about it in my own life, a persistent prayer that I've been praying for years that I finally got to see uh, actualized, answered. And that prayer was a prayer for my son, Nick, um, to find a godly Christian woman to be able to marry. And he got married uh, last week. Now, I look back in my prayer journal this uh, week, and I had been praying for Nick and his future spouse since 1996. Pray, I knew it was going to take a lot. <laughs> but, you know, here it was, man. God orchestrated that. Now, even after Nick and Adrian got together, I kept praying for his future spouse. I thought it was probably going to be Adrian, but I didn't know for sure. And ultimately, it was. And if you don't know Adrian, she's been a part of our church for a long time. She's a beautiful, Christ-loving young lady, and I'm so excited for this uh, great adventure of life that they are beginning together. And so I ask you today, what is it in your life that you need to persist in prayer about? That you need to know that God is working and believe in him to be working his good and perfect will in you and through you and around you to bring heaven to earth. I mean, what is that for you? Because the truth is, God wants to change situations. God wants to change people. And God wants to change you. You see, God wants to bring heaven to earth in your life that you might experience life, not just eternal life in heaven, but you might have eternal life now. That's what he wants. And we do that through the conduit of prayer. So right now what I want to do is I want us to pray. I want all of us at all of our locations just to bow our heads, close our eyes, to spend some time right now praying, praying about some needs I know that all of us have in our lives. As we begin to pray today, I know there are a lot of very serious situations that are going on. Significant problems in marriage, people that are struggling with issues at work, other people who 
are dealing with addiction issues that they don't feel like that they can break out of, things going on with children. And today, as we come boldly to the throne of grace, and today as maybe you think about struggling with a particular issue in your life, and you're feeling a little bit like that widow at least felt, alone, powerless, penniless. And if you've got an issue today that you know you need to boldly come and bring to your Heavenly Father, all of our locations right now, I just want you to raise your hand and say, God, I, I feel a little like that today. I've got an issue, Lord, that I need you to be able to intervene in. Wherever you're at, raise your hand if you feel like, man, I've got an issue, God, I need to bring to my Heavenly Father today. Raise your hand. Praise God. Praise God, me too. I've got issues I'm trying to manage too. I just want to pray for So, Father in heaven, we just come before you now because you are a good, good Father. And we thank you so much, God, that you are gracious, that, that you are kind, that you want to meet all of our needs. And we come to you now and we, we feel a little bit like the widow, but we come to you now boldly and we come to you wholeheartedly laying our needs, our requests, God, at your feet. Trusting, trusting that you're a great provider, you're a great rescuer, and that you're a great healer. And so we commit to you, God, this week to persist in prayer. Trusting you, however that you answer, that you will bring heaven to earth in our Now, as we continue to pray today, I know there's others of you who've never taken that step, that first step to be able to become part of God's family, to be adopted in, to be able to belong. But the good news is today, the Apostle John gives us some very specific instructions about how to become a part of God's family. And he says that we need to believe, believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died on the cross for our sins, and that we need to receive. We need to receive him into our life as our leader and our savior. And I'm telling you, when you take that step to become a part of God's family, you never have to feel like that widow did again. You never have to feel alone. Because now you're a son. Now you're a daughter. You're a part of God's family. And so today, I don't want you to miss this opportunity to become part of God's family, to get adopted in, to belong, so that you'll never have to feel alone and without resources ever again. So Jesus holds out his hand to you today. He wants to take your hand and lead you to be able to become part of his family and to welcome you in. So today, don't miss this opportunity to do that, to be a part of his family. Pray this prayer with me right now. Oh, Lord Jesus, I know I've gone my own way. I've hurt myself. I've hurt other people. I acknowledge, God, I've sinned. But today, Jesus, I choose you. I choose you to be the leader and the Savior of my life. Thank you, Jesus for dying on the cross for my sins. And thank you, Jesus, 
for adopting me in and making me a part of your family. And now use my life, Jesus, that I might bring heaven to earth in other people's lives. Now with everybody's head still bowed and eyes still closed today, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time and made Jesus Christ the leader and the Savior of your life and got adopted into his family, man, I just want you to raise your hand real high right now just as a sign to God that you are all in and so that I can pray for you. Wherever that you're at right now, raise your hand real high real high to be able to say to God that I am all in and so that I can pray for you today. Raise your hand wherever that you're at. Wherever that you're at. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I see that hand right there. Praise God. Praise God. See, he's always working. Always working. Let me pray. Father in heaven, I just thank you so much. God, for my friends, my brothers and sisters here today, who made you the leader, the savior of of their lives, who got adopted into your family, God. God, thank you so much that you've made us family. And because of what you've done, Jesus, we never have to feel alone again, that you are always with us, that you never leave us or forsake us, God. God, we just thank you so much for your goodness in every way in our lives. We love you. We praise you. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen.